and welcome to Fresh Press for October 13th, 2020. My name is Gabe. And my name is Andrew. This is a show about music where we talk about new tunes and erupting grooves. Oh, erupting. I thought you might go with shredding or noodling or ripping. I decided to point directly to the inspiration for the theme. That's absolutely correct. Uh, Excellently done. If you haven't gathered so far, folks, our theme this week centers around the incredible Eddie Van Halen, who passed away this past Tuesday, and we would like to honor him with something of an unusual style of theme for us, Andrew. Yeah. Um, We're picking a specific element, and uh, you get no points if you correctly guessed guitar solo. Eddie Van Halen, obviously was making music during a time in musical history, the 80s, when the guitar solo was extremely prominent in music, uh, especially mainstream rock. That has, I think, since receded somewhat. But Andrew and I would like to present a couple of gems from the past decade that we think are excellent examples of the guitar solo. We'll probably talk a little bit about the actual song as well, but I think the focus on the whole is going to be on this one specific part of these songs. So with that said, Andrew, tell us about your song and your solo and your guitarist. So uh, the song that I have brought is by the guitarist Bombino. And the title of the song is Kamu Taliat, You My Beloved. Bambino is both the name of the band, but it's really just Bambino, the guy. He is the singer, but more importantly for this episode, he is the guitarist, Bambino. Just a clarification on the name of the artist. That's Bambino spelled as in like the explosive device. Yeah, uh, a Bambino. Italian Bambino. Which... Well, it's funny that you say that, Gabe, because that is the inspiration for the name. Oh, I, you know, I didn't get that far. Yeah. He was the youngest and smallest member of the band. I see. So, il bambino. Yeah. So, he is uh, Nigerian. He's Tuareg, which is uh, a nomadic ethnic group or or traditionally nomadic ethnic group uh, in North Africa and in Nigeria. And uh, he sings in Tamashek, which is the language of the Tuareg people. And his guitar style and his sort of musical pedigree is, is is emblematic of of that community there's a lot of Tuareg guitarists i feel like we talked about this on the podcast before but i can't figure out why because we've i've never brought another Tuareg guitarist right no i brought a Tuareg guitarist you did who um also from the same country um which by the way is niger not nigeria so sorry uh, yeah he's he's nigerian not nigerian Music from Saharan WhatsApp 5, and the guitarist for that one was Amaria Hamadalar. Amaria Hamadalar, of course, of course, of course, of course. Anyway, that's why we've talked about Tuareg guitar before. It's great. Then we don't need to explain that. 
Go listen to that episode, which was at some point. I don't know. Yeah, at some point. I don't know when. Now. I have to go back through all my notes. <laughs> yes, our episode from May 26th, we talked about Torah guitar. Great. And I'm sure we did it perfectly and covered every single nuance. So you can refer to that episode. <laughs> Omar Mokhtar, better known as Bambino, he is a Tuareg guitarist and singer-songwriter. He grew up in Niger outside of Agadez, which is also the title of this album. And then in 1990, he and some of his family left the area to uh, go to Algeria because there was a Tuareg rebellion going on while he was Outside of Niger, he uh, began learning guitar. He learned a lot from watching tapes of Dire Straits and Jimi Hendrix. Well, that'll provide you with some solid fundamentals and some (laughs) solid guitar solo skills, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So that was like where what he uh, learned from. And a cool thing is that like, they didn't know what the like they didn't know who they didn't know the names Dire Straits or Jimi Hendrix because they just had like these tapes and he said in some interview like you know by the time it gets to the Tuareg like it's it's like all everything's rubbed off it's just like a tape and you watch it and there's guitars on it and you're like cool this guy I don't know who it is but he's great you know yeah an accurate assessment so he uh came back later to uh the same area Agadez and then he left again in 2007 when there was the second Tuareg rebellion, and that was a time when they banned the government banned guitars for the Tuareg because it was, I mean, protest music. It's, it was a part of the rebellion, so some of his friends were like disappeared and stuff. So he left and went to Burkina Faso, and then uh, eventually he returned in 2011, I believe, is when this album came out, Agadez, and uh, since then he's put out a couple other albums. He's so fucking good, and he has this blended style of, you know, the traditional Tuareg aspects of the sound interpreted through, like, blues instrumentation and structures. It's so great. I've seen it called Desert Blues a lot. Although he does dabble in other genres, there were some, there's some songs apparently on his most recent album that he has dubbed Tuareg. <laughs> Wow, what an awesome blend. Yeah, that's a little bit of a back... It's great. I have listened to it. It's very nice. Listen, that's all well and good, but we we are talking about specifically guitar solos in this. I had the thought to pick a song by Bombino. I said to Gabe, I probably shouldn't bring something from Stadium Arcadium. I should probably pick something a little less well-known. So I decided to pick, like, you know, a widely lauded guitarist like Bombino. And I listened to uh, a bunch of his music and the specifically the last minute of this song is what really sealed the deal for me. The problem with picking a Bombino solo is that because he is a guitarist, there's guitar at the forefront for most of his music. And a lot of it is more like melodic 
with some embellishments rather than like a separated like here's the solo time like you would have for a, a classic rock band i mean you even hear that explicitly in this song right the first whatever three and a half minutes of the song before it just it just drops to really the guitar right so that's that's what i'm talking about how it starts with a, i mean there's a guitar melody that comes back between verses every time um and there's a little bit of expansion on that in other sections but then in that last minute of the song he starts again with that but then expands beyond and beyond that and that makes it feel like a real self-contained guitar solo to me and where it really expands and explores in the way that a guitar solo should even when it is based in an existing and familiar melody i think because it is based in that existing melody right a a traditional let's say jazz or blues solo will start off by echoing the melody to some degree in many cases and then going on to yeah i think explore is a great word kind of explore kind of the sonic variations within that melody and that's what makes a solo interesting i think some or all of this album is recorded live i mean definitely or they or if it was not recorded live for some weird crazy reason they went in later and put in people clapping and cheering in the middle of songs. No, I think this album was explicitly recorded at Agadez at a live performance there. That makes sense. And then later released. But the like the whooping that's in the background while he's playing guitar <laughs> is awesome. Right. So that's what I really what I really love. And what frustrates me about this song, the one thing I don't like about the song is that it fades out. And I'm like, if this was a live thing, then he had to fucking end it at some point. So I want to hear it like get to the end. I don't want to hear it just fade away. That yeah. frustrated me. I think there's an aspect of this, of of the of the like structure where it's just like verse solos, verse solo, verse solo, verse solo kind of thing that I, I just feel like I could listen to this for like 20 minutes instead of four minutes. So when it fades out at four minutes and 30 seconds, I'm like, oh no, I could just keep going. Which to be fair... He does do for for other songs on this album. And maybe that's what made this one feel more like a self-contained solo because it wasn't just like a 10-minute jam. It was like, here's the song. Even though it fades out, it does have an ending. And here's a clear section where it's like, this is where the solo really comes in. The live atmosphere, I think, is is something that uh, if you if you realize that that's what's happening in the background of the song, sort of adds some thrill to it. And one of the things that I love about this, and I would love to see Bombino live, is because this last solo just sort of keeps keeps going. There's no, like, break in it. That last minute, it just, like, keeps going and, and, and spinning and spinning, which is a style that is different from maybe a, a more familiar, like, classic rock kind of style, where it'll, there's, like, it'll be in, like, pieces and riffs rather than this continuous like expanding and expanding. The other thing that I like about this and another way that you can tell that it is uh, live recorded, which, you know, most solos usually are, but there are plenty of musicians who for uh, an album rehearse solos ahead of time and also for live performances have a rehearsed solo they perform. But near the end of this, there's a little bit of like, it's not it's not like mistakes, but there's a little bit of like bleed and a little more slide into the guitar that you don't normally get from him that I just really like and really puts me into that mindset of God, I wish I could A see any live music and B see 
like an incredible virtuosic musician like Bombino live. One element of the theme this week that I wanted to explore is how the guitar solo has evolved. Like I mentioned kind of in the intro, the guitar solo is no longer a fundamental piece of rock music even or like popular music to any extent. Like if you're listening to a classic rock song, like, I don't know, Queen or Led Zeppelin or U2 or like insert band here, you expect a decent number of the songs to have some sort of solo section for the guitar. And a lot of famous songs have very famous solo sections. That sort of thing has disappeared, but it's also evolved in really interesting ways. In this particular case, as you mentioned, right, Bambino grew up watching tapes of Jimi Hendrix, obviously famous for guitar solos, you know, come from a long history of, like, basically blues music. And he has appropriated that style in the best way to fit inside his musical culture and experience. So you have this really interesting blend of this famous guitar styles with distortion and virtuosic playing mixed with the sounds of the Tuareg and of the Saharan Desert, which is really unique. And one of the really cool things that I think make this theme interesting to us, right? It's not about necessarily picking, like there are a million amazing souls that we could have picked. But it's kind of interesting to see how this particular choice of yours has like expanded the idea of what a guitar solo is by drawing on these great predecessors. Gabe, when we picked guitar solos, I was pretty sure you'd bring St. Vincent. And lo and behold. I mean, listen, I really like any music. I like St. Vincent. And yeah. Annie Clark is one of the best guitarists, I think, in popular consciousness right now. Yeah. I mean, I thought of it, too. I well, I was like, oh, maybe I should look at some St. Vincent stuff. But I was like, but I don't know St. Vincent that well. Oh, wait. Gabe's just going to pick some St. Vincent. Good. We got it covered. Yeah. You do have me pegged. You know me pretty well. <laughs> um, the particular St. Vincent song that I've chosen is Surgeon off her 2011 record, Strange Mercy. Just my surgeon, So one note that I want to start with here is when Andrew suggested this theme, he said, well, we're just going to get rid of the fame component that we normally have. Like, if you want to pick something a little more famous, that's fine. Normally, St. Vincent would not qualify for this podcast, I think. Um, She's fairly well known. You know, she had a pretty major album collaboration with David Byrne of The Talking Heads in 2012. For those of you who are less familiar with St. Vincent, Um, Her name is Annie Clark. She is from, I guess she was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and grew up in Texas or something, and um, ended up going to Berklee College of Music and then dropping out after a few years. But I think that specific learning experience has actually influenced her music considerably. 
She's released a number of albums. Her most recent album was titled Mass Seduction, which came out, I want to say, fall 2017. But she's released a few even between then and 2011 when this record, Strange Mercy, came out, which I think is probably still my favorite of hers. She really leans on guitars in particular in this record, and it sounds great. So this song, Andrew, Surgeon. Mm-hmm. Even before you get to the guitar solo, which is more or less the last 45 seconds of the song, there is some incredible guitar playing happening. Um, like the main riff, that's just her playing the guitar. Like you can watch her play live and it looks unbelievable to watch her play like this <laughs> sliding guitar phrase over and over again. She's just so fat. Like her technique is unbelievable. And she's yeah. doing really interesting creative things. This part of the song also has like a very specific characteristic sound. So I looked up what guitar she was using. I actually found some like gear interviews that she did. Like there's an interview uh, on guitarplayer.com. She was using a 1969 Silvertone Esplanade as her guitar here, which Mm -hmm. is a sick looking guitar if you look it up. Um, just like very iconic style. She even provides like the details of like exactly what her like pedal setup is. Andrew, you want to tell people what pedals are for guitars? So when you want to play electric guitar, you put uh-huh. a cord in the co- guitar and you plug the other end of the cord into an amp so that it makes sound that's loud. In between the guitar and the amp, you can put a pedal or more likely a bajillion pedals and run them all through in in a line. And then basically, the reason that it's a pedal is you can turn it on and off with your foot or adjust it with your foot. So as you are playing, you can turn on and off different effects and layer them and uh, interpolate them and make them modify one another. And that is how you get guitars that sound like they're not guitars, like in this song. Yeah, right. So the solo I'm going to play for you, I'm going to play a couple different clips. One is going to be the solo that's on the record. But I also found an awesome video of her playing the, the like semi-live in a studio. If you want to see her work live, I recommend checking that out. And I'll drop the video in the description. But yeah, pedals are a big part of, I think, the legacy of the guitar solo, right? Like it's kind of iconic. You have like the guitarist will kind of like step forward and like stomp on something on the ground and then launch into some like crazy series of notes (laughs) what i like about this guitar solo is it's again very referential of the classic solos but it adds something different right like you have these kind of screaming high notes it's very much meant to be the climax of the song in a very specific way in the way that bambino solo and tuari guitar in general does not have as much but she's also feels much more precise 
about how much she wants to play. Like her note playing is kind of scaled back. She's more interested in some of the sounds. Right. And in general, her solo, I think, has a jazzier influence to it than like a classic rock guitar solo. All of these solos really stem from the same origin point, which is blues and early jazz, which influenced more modern jazz and like 50s jazz, and also obviously modern rock and rock and roll. But they kind of went their own way for a while, and this style where you're like experimenting more with the sound and how the notes are playing with each other rather than trying to show off your technical skill is more like a jazz style of solo, I think. I mean, it's not as black and white as that, right? There's obviously plenty of jazz solos where they're just playing a lot of notes, and there's also classic rock solos where they're sitting on notes but it is certainly more likely that if if a solo it takes that sort of tack that it is going to be in a jazz context than a rock context i think just because of the variety among jazz that there is very ostentatious jazz and there's much more understated jazz whereas for like classic rock i don't know a lot of like understated classic rock that's sort of an oxymoron yeah, I don't think it's possible. There was an amazing article that NPR wrote two years ago about St. Vincent and her guitar playing. It's really an opinion track more than anything. Just kind of an ode to Annie Clark's skill. I just want to read one quote from it because I think it's so wonderfully written. She's a wonder of full body precision, sharp and unassailably poised. She has a rare skill, and yet the skill is not the point. It is the means. And in general, I think that's what separates great guitar players from other guitar players who might be more technically skilled, but who we don't classify in that way. Yeah, I mean, there's like plenty of great guitar players and very technically skilled guitar players, maybe more so than Annie Clark. But we don't hear about them because they don't, among other reasons, they don't make music that is really interesting and creative and is really exploring an idea in the same way. Maybe a better way to say it is that they don't have as wide of an appeal like the thing that springs to mind which is going to be embarrassing for me but you remember when viva la vida came out and joe satriani sued coldplay because, i was just um, thinking about joe satriani yeah so that's what i so like joe satriani is someone i will fully admit someone whose name i know because he sued coldplay in 2008 because the melody to viva la vida sounded a lot like the melody to one of his songs, which is a guitar song. Joe Satriani is a guitarist. And I'm not saying, I'm. I, what I'm definitely not trying to do is say that Coldplay makes interesting music and Joe Satriani doesn't. <laughs> what I'm more trying to say is that the reason why you know you might know St. Vincent and not know Joe Satriani is because St. Vincent's music maybe has more of a wide appeal, while Joe Satriani's music is a little more just guitar-focused and focused on the guitar skill, which is not a value difference but is a scope of, it sort of limits your audience to people who are looking specifically and only for the very good guitar. Whereas you can listen to St. Vincent because you love her as a guitarist or also because you like the songs that she's writing or the sounds that she's choosing. For me, listening to Satriani's music, it's his skill that's amazing to me, but not quite as much the artistically interesting choices that are being made. Whereas with St. Vincent, 
yes, she also has all of these other skills, like wonderful songwriting and singing ability. And, but also her guitar playing. Again, I think it being a means to an end is um, kind of a more interesting idea. And, you know, it's what separates lots of great soloists, this idea. At some point, you exceed what's necessary from a technical standpoint. And it's really about purely the artistic and creative aspects. Andrew, we've chosen a couple of singles for new tunes this week. That we have. Mine is by This Is The Kit, and it is entitled Was Magician. When she came into her power, she was younger than the others, wasn't ready, slower learner, but the power it was in her. This is the Kit is a uh, folk band project that is uh, fronted by Kate Stables, who is a British musician. Um, it's mostly her project. There are some other people in it. You know, it's a song that I'm picking. So it's a folk project that's basically one person. Um, I do have a question, though, already about something you've said, which is she's British, but she lives in France. Correct. But she's from Winchester. Oh, but as we've established, England is France, so... Yeah, so Winchester is Paris. That's what we've always said. This single is, uh, I assume, the last to be released off of her upcoming album, Off, Off, On, which comes out on the 23rd of this month. So that's just in two weeks, or I guess a week and a half when this when, when this episode comes out. And this song, uh, was ma- Was Magician is another one of those things where it's like, I really wasn't sure what to pick. I didn't have anything that I was like looking ahead to this week. I added some stuff to a place and then I just kept coming back to this song because I just really loved the sound and the in- intricacy of it. Yeah, it's a gorgeous song and really compelling lyrically. Yeah, the the title actually, the the lyric, the choice there was one of the things that really drew me into it and made me listen closer because it's entitled was magician and the way that's said in the song and some other lines are sort of fragments like that like was magician meaning like she was a magician maybe is what she's trying to say but like it's just sort of fragment like that which um some of the song is laid out in clear sentences and some other parts of it are this sort of draw you into a kind of implied story. Yeah, and it's that implied story that is really, really well done, I think. Well, Gabe, it doesn't surprise me that you and I find the story that she is weaving here, at least by implication, to be compelling because she said with the release of the song that it is partially inspired by the works of Ursula K. Le Guin. Yes, I did read that, which I thought was very appropriate. Um, yes. Especially reading Le Guin's Earthsea trilogy, 
you definitely feel that those elements have sort of crossed over into the music, if you will. So the the plot of the uh, song is sort of this like coming of age of a, uh, you know, a, a classic like young adult fantasy character. There's a there's a child who is powerful and they sort of have to come to terms with how their power works and what and what that means and how to control it and how to let it expand. When I was first listening to the song, I did think it was about The Witcher for a little bit. But maybe that's just because I've been thinking about The Witcher a lot lately. Andrew, why have you been thinking about The Witcher a lot? Because it's really good. Also because Roman's been tweeting about The Witcher a lot. Oh. Would Something that I also really love about this song was Magician is um, just the layering of sound in it. There are so many instruments and timbres used in this track, but they're all used so delicately and perfectly orchestrated together in such a nice way. Uh, They recorded this with Josh Kaufman, who uh, plays with Bonnie Light Horseman and Muzz. Um, So it's not surprising to me that there is very meticulous production on this and arrangement there's a couple different synths a couple different like keyboard sounds in here that are really well crafted to be warm and sort of like rounded in their attack like it's not there's nothing sharp in this song the drums are a little uh, muted and a little fuzzy those synths are a little soft Everything sort of works nicely to this uh, thing, and it builds up. It's not that it's a quiet, in-the-background kind of song, but each piece is on its own sort of muted and um, softened, but together they build up to this, like, delicately blossoming flower. The climax of the horns. Mm, The horns! Which I... Listen, would this be a fresh pressed podcast if I weren't talking about some delightful horns? Sure wouldn't. They're excellent. And you're right, they're quite muted and low in the mix. And you hear them at first and then at like the top of the song they kind of yes, unfold as in your ever present flower metaphor. Music is flowers. That's I've I've said it and I'll say it again. Music is flowers. Gabe, what do you got that's new this week? I have the return of one of my favorite bands from high school, The Antlers. How exciting! Out of nowhere, The Antlers dropped a single titled Wheels Roll Home. There's a point where you're out past the present and 
right, so this song, Andrew, is a little bit on the nose, shall we say. This is a band, The Antlers, that broke up ostensibly five or six years ago. They haven't really been touring or making music in that time. Things seemed pretty official as of 2017 when they're uh, kind of the leader of the project started releasing his own solo stuff. And then this song comes out, Wheels Roll Home, which is really about like reuniting and seeing somebody and be like, how could I have left this? This is great. So a great way to introduce your comeback. But the Antlers in this particular rendition are comprised of Peter Silberman and Michael Lerner. Silberman has traditionally been the driving force of the project since like 2007. But the other members have been important um, during their, I guess, heyday in around 2010. All of our heyday, really. Wow, I hope not. Jeez. (laughs) Around that time, Darby Chichi was also uh, a major contributing component of the group. They released a number of albums. Most famously, they released a record titled Hospice, where they worked with Sharon Van Etten on some of the vocals, and it's about um, an abusive patient with terminal bone cancer that might be like the single most devastating record I've ever listened to. Yeah, I think we had this discussion I think you mentioned hospice when I brought the when I when we were talking about the microphones, because I would say a crow looked at me as is one of the most devastating albums of all time. Anyway, so they're back with this beautiful song. I, I do think it's gorgeous. And they have some lovely instrumentation. They got John Natchez Nache of the War on Drugs to play that bass clarinet line. And I just think like the guitar like lines that run through this song are gorgeous. They're really beautiful. Yeah, I found it really lovely. I, not being an Antlers scholar, because this this song is, is like wheels roll home, edit. I was like, maybe this is just an old, different version of a song that they already released because I don't know that much about the Antlers, so I might not be familiar with it. But I was uh, delighted to see that it was new, and I was confused as to why they put edit in there if they weren't going to release like an extended version. Well, so I had the same thought process. I was like, is this a cover of something? Or did they release the song previously? My best guess, Andrew, is that there's an actual album coming at some point. And this is the single. And there will be a full-length version. But I also could be completely wrong. They have not actually announced an album, although they have a lot of artwork. So, and they're their website seems geared that way, and so does their band camp. So I'm I'm optimistic. We've been burned before, like when the Postal Service tweeted something mysterious and it turned out to not be a new album. Yeah, but they didn't drop a song. No, but they said they had like a tomorrow thing with that was very mysterious, and I was like, oh shit. aspect of the song that I loved was the mixing on the song. The instruments are pretty low in the mix and everything feels like gentle and backgrounded and it's very soothing. And I think that complements 
the song quite nicely and the lyrics of the song quite nicely. The lyrics of the song are about like the warm, lovely feeling of getting back together. Yeah, it is. It is a. It's a comforting and comforted sort of sound. I didn't know that I was looking for this sort of a song until I heard it, but it brought me a lot of peace when I, when I listened to it, and I wanted to share that with uh, everybody else. Andrew, it didn't feel like there were a ton of options for our new tunes this week. But there was some other good music that we didn't choose to bring. Do you have anything on your list? Yeah, well, there was one uh, big thing for me that I was very excited for. um, But I didn't feel really fit the uh, parameters of this program which was the album from Kronos Quartet called Long Time Passing, which is Kronos Quartet, uh, which is a string quartet, and a bunch of guest musicians performing songs written by or made famous by or just famously performed by Pete Seeger in honor of his life. He turned 100, or he would have been 100 last year. Uh, they did a Kronos Quartet did a concert in honor of him last year and then decided as I think they often do is like well let's put that (laughs) on wax so they did and it's really great there's a lot of excellent versions of songs as well as a extended kind of collage piece called Storyteller that uses a lot of clips of Pete Seeger speaking and singing and in interviews and on stage uh, that I found uh, really, really charming. There's a major release from from Future Islands um, titled As Long As You Are, new record. I find that a lot of music by the Future Islands sounds similar. However, it is all delightful because their lead (laughs) vocalist has an incredible, incredible unique voice big old i guess double album from cut worms entitled nobody lives here anymore it's like 20 songs uh it's good if you if you want sort of that classic rock folky sort of sound everly brothers kind of sound cut worms executes that perfectly the goodbye party put out his record beautiful motors this week which we brought a song off previously on this podcast it's great i loved it it's so good wow great album I also really enjoyed a record from Gene, which is self-titled. That's J-E-E-N. I don't really have a great descriptor word. Kind of punky, but kind of poppy. Kind of all over the place, but enjoyable and excellent. With that, we shall conclude our show for the week. You can follow us on Twitter at FreshPressedPod. You can see a Spotify playlist with selections from our show, which we will leave in the show notes. Andrew and I will be back on October 19th with more tunes and more grooves. But for now, I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. And you've been listening to Fresh Pressed. Isn't it October 20th, though? No! <laughs> okay, just cut, cut it there. <laughs>